Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is, Have You Ever Felt Like a Failure? Have you ever felt like a failure? 1 Kings 19, 8 through 13. And speaking of failure, it's a miracle that I didn't fail out of college, or at least get kicked out. Um, we're having a little mini college reunion this week, and, and my, my buddies are coming. Bill, who you've heard so much about, is here with his sons back there. Uh, Bill, give away, Bill. Bill's here. Uh, Len, already, Len already tagged him. Len already figured out who he was. Uh, Todd's going to meet us at the beach. Then Tom, he'll be here next Sunday. Tom will be uh, here next Sunday. You'll get to meet him. Uh, that you hear so much about. And so... Bill is in many of the stories that I've told. He's that Bill. Remember the Elijah, the fire from heaven story? And I told you about the haunted house he put together and got us to all be part of it. He he was the one holding the torch when I inadvertently spilled too much of the dust, the magic dust. (laughs) That was was the Bill. also, he's in lots of other sermons. Uh, the, whenever I tell a college story, usually Bill's in the middle of it. You have to go back and listen. Remember in First, uh, no, not First Kings, uh, Joshua 18, when I talked about uh, the sec- Joshua 18, when I talked about the Secret Service and catching us in the Grand Plaza Amway Hotel, and Bill had the idea, let's get to the roof and watch the fireworks from the roof. Remember that? And we followed Bill all the way up. We got, we almost got to the top. We got to the top floor. We didn't make it to the roof. The Secret Service caught us, so we failed to get to the roof. Uh, that was the bill, and uh, th- that was, and we didn't get to see President Ford, ex-President Ford at the time. Uh, we failed to do that, but Bill got us almost there. Then also the manure revenge, uh, same sermon. I talked about the manure and spreading all over the dorm. That was Bill's idea. Now, you would think a farm boy would come up with that idea, right? But no, Bill, went, remember you told the farmer, we need it. He goes, what do you need all this manure for? He goes, it's a biology experiment, you said, or something, and he he, we brought it and he had it all mapped out. We spread it all over the, this one dorm's hall, you know, the, the stairways. And, and the idea, it was four in the morning. We failed to escape undetected because one of our swim team members was in the lobby talking with his girlfriend. But anyway, that's a whole other story. And so he sees Bill. He goes, Bill, Bill, what are you doing here? And he sees uh, these guys all dressed in black and we had the black paint on. And, and he says, clean it up now and you won't get in trouble. And Bill was the one who threw the bucket of manure across the lobby. That was a, that was a whole other thing we had to do. That's the bill. This is the bill. And then you also remember Joshua 19, the car story. Remember? The car story. When I was just driving around, minding my own business, he was trying to pass me. Remember that old story? And he, and he, went th- he took a shortcut to beat me, but he failed to beat me to the, to the parking lot. But he went down between the dorms, remember? And he, and he lost control because it was wet. And he, he, he was going to hit the dorm. And instead, he hit the tree and landed up and knocked the tree over and was up on top of the tree. That's the bill. All right? That's the one. That's the one. And then about 10 years ago, I've told a lot of these stories, all right? Uh, and then about 10 years ago, Bill comes to church, right? Remember that? Bill and, and Sarah, who we're going to meet at the shore, and, and were the boys, they were there, right? The boys were there, they were very young at the time. And uh, we were at church, and we were using the hotel at the time. There was construction here, so we went to the hotel, remember? And who was at the hotel? Remember that last service? And we were there, Bill was there, and we were there, and all of a sudden it started raining really really hard and the water started rushing in that back door and I was actually standing in about this much water when I was gonna getting up to preach it just got gushing in it was crazy and then what happened 
the lightning bolt hit the swimming pool right outside. I don't know how it didn't get us or me. I'm standing in the water. Right? It hit the swimming pool. There's this big kaboom. The electricity went out. Remember? The, it, all, the, all the indoor warning lights and sirens started going off. We were all in the dark. The little kids are in their little classroom in the dark. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then uh, the fire trucks came and they had to escort us out. We didn't want to leave because it was lightning and thunder. Remember how bad it was raining and thunder and lightning? And we didn't want to go. And, but the, the firemen were escorting us out to our cars. You remember that? And that was our last service in the hotel, by the way. We were coming back to school the next week. And go figure. God was sending us off. But, but Bill was sure. Bill was like, thank you, Chuck, for doing that, making that so exciting for me. I didn't have to. He goes, I had an exciting service, and I didn't have to listen to you preach. You know, he was all excited. And I was sure he had something to do with it. I was sure he had something to do with it. Well, hopefully we won't fail to get, notice I keep using a code word here. I, we won't fail to get through the service today, but we will be talking about failure. We will be talking about failure. Have you ever felt like a failure? No hands, don't raise your hands. Have you ever felt like a failure? Maybe as a parent, maybe in your career, maybe in your ministry, maybe in your life, maybe in your spiritual life we could probably check a lot of those boxes couldn't we we all do at some point in our life we feel like we failed at some point probably many times maybe today you're here and you're, you really feel like I'm just a failure I'm just a failure well we're in good company because Elijah did too Elijah did too his revival had fizzled yeah okay yeah, he, he, he called down fire from heaven and he got called down a rainstorm we went through all that remember but he still felt like a failure his revival had fizzled he had flopped remember the belly flop he ran away from Jezebel he ran for his life he was disappointed remember we if you weren't here for the last few weeks get those because it's this is kind of a continuation he was disappointed he became depressed he and today we get to the root of it all it's because he feels like a failure now, next week, we're going to see God's rehab. He's, God's going to put Elijah in his own rehab. He's going to give him a rehab. He's going to move him forward. He's going to get him going again. We're going to see that. Don't miss that. But today, I want to focus on why Elijah felt like a failure and what God has to say to him and to us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for getting us through a very hot week. And a lot of us not just went through a physical hot week, but I know a lot of us have been through hot trials, refining times, struggles. Lord, we just pray for your mercy and grace for your word to speak to us now. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read it. 1 Kings 19, 8-13. We're progressing here. So... Uh, let's pick it up with verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Wild, isn't it? Wild. So we find him on Mount Horeb. It also has another name in Scripture. Often it's called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. It's the same location. The, we're not sure if there were. it was the same mountain with two different like tips on the top. And they called each one something different. We're not sure if they called one slope Mount Horeb and the other slope Mount Sinai. But it's the same place. It's uh, a key spiritual place in the Old Testament. It's the place that God often manifested himself where God manifested himself. In Exodus 3, God appeared to Moses here. God appeared to Moses here in Exodus 3. He appeared to call Moses back to Egypt, remember, in the burning bush. Remember that, the burning bush? Calls him back to Egypt. This is on Mount Horeb. Then in Exodus 19 and 20, we see that it was here that God gave Moses, called Mount Sinai here, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on top of Mount Sinai. It was the law. He gave him the law. The Ten Commandments, the law, remember that? And when he gave him that, don't remember what it was like? It was this volcanic shock and awe. It was this huge eruption. It was this crazy, crazy, uh, scary time with what happened on top of that mountain. So since Moses, there is no record of any other Israelite visiting Mount Horeb. No other one going to Mount Horeb until this event which is when Elijah goes there. And we know Moses represented the law. Elijah represents the prophets, right? He's the, he's the prophet, the prophets, right? Moses and Elijah. And then, and then, so since Moses, no one's been recorded coming here until Elijah. And then we see, let's connect some dots. We see that Moses and Elijah end up with Jesus on top of another mountain, the Mount of transfiguration it's no accident connect the dots in fact romans 3 21 says this it says now but now apart from the law the righteousness of god has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify the law and the prophets testified to Jesus Christ. That's why they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, testifying. It was the law and the prophets testifying that Jesus was the Son of God, and then it was proven, as we know, by his resurrection from the dead. So back to 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10. In verse 9, it says, Then he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So Elijah is in this cave here. He has run from God. He is isolated. And we talked about this. He's isolated. He's disappointed. He's depressed. Sound familiar to anybody here? But God crashes his pity party and finds him, and he finds us too, doesn't he? When we're in these pity parties, he always manages to find us right where we are, right? And God asks him, what are you doing here? God, this isn't God being curious. This is God's rebuke, right? God's rebuking him. Why did you leave your call? Why did you leave your path of duty? Why did you leave where I put 
you? Maybe you are asking that same question. God's asking us that same question. Maybe we've done the same thing. And look at Elijah's answer in verse 10. He says, I, I, me. Notice that. I, I, me. I am the only one left. But he's forgetting somebody, isn't he? He's forgetting the great I am. Right? Forgetting the great I am. And this self-focus leads to discouragement. You ever been discouraged? <laughs> it's when we get self-focused. The self-focus leads to discouragement. And that's why he felt like a failure. That's why many of us get in that same place. What's the use? What's the use of this ministry? I see very little fruit. What's the use of, of the parenting my, when I end up with a prodigal? You know, what's the, after so much effort, what's the use? And we fall into self-pity. Nobody here, but you might know somebody like this who falls into self-pity and, and, uh, and, and have a pity party. And I know nobody here has ever had a pity party, but you probably know someone who might even be married to someone who's had a pity party, right? So it's that, that self-pity is dangerous. And this is why it's so dangerous. When we do the self-pity, when we have the pity party, it, it often blocks us from moving forward. Many times we get stuck there. And, and often it proceeds falling away. I could tell you stories, and we could all remember our own stories, of someone who started that self-pity, and they got stuck, or they, or they fell away. They're long gone, spiritually. Long gone. It, and I can remember their first self-pity remarks to me, and I'm like, trying to stop it, because that's what so often happens when we fall into that. And, and I hear people say things like, well, no one knows what my life is like. <laughs> or no one knows what I'm going through. And as soon as they say that, I'm scared. Because that's what often, first of all, they're stuck. And it often leads to them disappearing forever from, from church. I, I can tell you stories. And I tell people, we all have pain. We all have a cross to bear. Everybody here has trials, and maybe they're not in the middle one right now, but they either came out of one or they're going into the one. If you're breathing, it's going to happen, right? We all have that, but just a lot of times we don't know it. We don't realize it because, because a lot of people don't share with everyone, but as a pastor, I hear most of them, and I'm telling you, everyone here has trials. Everyone has pain, and no one's pain is any worse than anyone else's. If you start saying that and thinking that, you're on shaky ground. I'll never forget when, when Ryan died. When Ryan died a couple years ago, I'll never forget several people in the community, and even some Christians said to me, well, now you realize how hard my life is. They said that to me. Well, I, I, I didn't get upset, but I'll tell you this, I, I almost laughed in their face. And, and I said, are you kidding me? And I said it gently. I'm, I'm going to say it a little rougher now. But are you kidding me? Ryan was a prodigal for seven years. That was way worse. Way worse than him dying. The seven years was excruciating, if you knew what we went through. And not only that, we had two prodigals. We were two for two. And the other one was a prodigal for 10 years. Now he's going into ministry. God has his sense of humor. But it was a brutal time. 
It was brutal. You talk about disappointment. You talk about depression. You talk about feeling like a failure. We all have heartbreaking trials. We all live with pain. You just might not know about everybody's pain, but believe me, we all live with pain. And remember that the next time you're tempted to throw yourself a pity party. Because that pity party is going to get you stuck. And many times it gets you knocked out of the church, out of any church, whatever church you're in. A lot of times people, I could tell you people that used to be leaders here who no longer come because of a pity party that set something off. They got mad at God. They got mad at God. God crashes Elijah's pity party. And he gives him a reality adjustment and an attitude adjustment. He crashes it. And look what he does, first of all, in verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God crashes the pity party, and he shows Elijah his power. And if you look at what happened here, it's very reminiscent of what he did with Moses on top of that same mountain when he gave him the law in Exodus 19. And God is showing, there's a reason, he's connecting the dots. What same things happened to Moses, happening to Elijah up on top of this mountain. God is connecting the dots. He's saying, I'm still in control. The same God who brought everybody out of Egypt, the same God who had that power. I have the same power now. I'm still in control. It's important to remember, isn't it? With this crazy world and all that's going on and where our country has been headed spiritually. God is in control. He's not shocked. He's not, oh, I failed somehow. God's still in control and he's reminding him of that. This, the wind, the earthquake, the fire that tore the mountain apart reminds me of, uh, of some of the stories I've read about in history when they dropped the, the nuclear bombs and, and they created those firestorms, the 200 mile an hour winds that came in and they just obliterated cities that wind what it did. That's the same picture. That's God's power, that nuclear power that he shows and is a teeny part of his power. But although God shows his power through the wind, through the earthquake, through the fire, he wasn't in them, was he? That wasn't him. He wasn't in them. He sent it, but he wasn't in them. No, look what came next. The gentle whisper. The voice of God. And this is how God spoke to Elijah. And this is how God speaks to us today. It's how he speaks to us today. We now have God's word, which is a record of all of his great power. It's all written. Jesus said it is written. It's all written here. In fact, the ultimate power is when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the ultimate power. Who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Romans 1.4. That's God's power all throughout here. The ultimate final power is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have this record of his power here. 
of his awesome power. And as we read the word, it's a reminder that God is in control. As we read and meditate on his word, as we read and meditate on it, the Holy Spirit will speak to us, will whisper to us. Romans 8.16 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That's what happens when we're in the word and prayer. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. We can, we can hear him speak to our heart. And God is constantly whispering to us. He's constantly doing it. But we need to get quiet so that we can hear him. We have to, we have to be able to hear him. It's like Wi-Fi. It's like Wi-Fi. Uh, it's always there. Wi-Fi is all the time going, going, going. But you have to have a smartphone or some kind of uh, computer something to get the wi-fi you have to have that smartphone you have to have the computer you have to be able to pick up the wi-fi to get it and then on top of that you have to have if you have a smartphone you have to have it turned on the wi-fi turned on kim came to me this week and said we got all these overcharges it's all terrible terrible I go, i'm not doing anything different and turned out i didn't have my wi-fi turned on but anyway we won't we won't go there we won't go there uh Anybody has an extra $100, give it to me. Slip it to me after church. But anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> we worked it out. Anyway, uh, you have to have it turned on. And see, that's the thing. At salvation, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of those sins. I put my faith in Jesus to forgive me. His death on the cross took care of that. I put my faith in Jesus. The moment you do that, you receive a super spiritual phone, you know, a really smart phone, a spiritual phone. We get that. We get this, the ability. We get the Holy Spirit comes in at that moment. We now have the ability to hear from God. But we have to tune in. We have to, you know, we have to daily turn it on. We have to daily tune in. We have to allow, we have to get into that quiet place. We have to get into the word in that quiet place so that we can hear him. So we can hear him. That's very important. Maybe you're here today, and like Elijah, you haven't been hearing from God lately. Maybe we have, feel like a failure today. Maybe we really have flopped, just like Elijah. He really did flop, didn't he? Spiritual belly flops. God is still in control. No matter how bad we've messed up. I know nobody here has ever messed up, but you might know someone, right? No matter how bad we've messed up, God is still in control. He's still got the power. He has the power to bring good out of any mess we are in or have made of our life. He can bring something good out of it if we'll take it to him. Romans 8, 28. I hope you haven't memorized, but just in case... And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. God can take any situation and bring good out of it if we'll surrender it to him. And we're going to see next week, uh, next time I'm here, a couple weeks, we're going to see the steps to take the bounce back. We're going to see Elijah's rehab. We're going to see what, what God does with Elijah and how, how he, what he does the same thing for us today. We're going to see that. But the first step, before we get to that, the first step today is to listen for his whisper. To listen to his whisper. To get alone with God's word. To get alone with God. No matter what cave you are in. <laughs> He ran a long way, right? Remember last week? We, he ran a long way. 
no matter what cave you are in, no matter what, how deep the hole you are in, no matter how deep the hole you've gotten yourself in, God's mercy and grace can, will, can and will still reach us. Still. And when, when that happens, when we hear from God, it changes everything. It changes our own view. We're going to wait to see how Elijah changes. And when we hear from God, it changes everything. He went from feeling like a failure to, to doing some pretty, pretty exciting things next week. Got to come next time. All right? But it changes everything. When we hear from God, we have a brand new hope. We have a brand new uh, energy. And we have a brand new focus on the situation we're in. It changes everything. Someone just shared a story with me this morning. Sent me a text. It was a great story of hearing from God and, and what it did in this person's life. But when we hear, it, that's what it does. It gives us a new focus, a new hope, a new energy. A lot of you know I've been talking about my cataracts. Uh, I, it, it's so frustrating to have cataracts. I'm going to probably get the surgery in January now. It's, there's a whole insurance thing. But anyway, the... I, I, I hate flies. I'm, not, I'm in the house, and I hate bugs. I grew up on a farm, and I just hate flies. Fly gets in the house, I got to kill it. Got to kill it. I, some people think it's because I'm OCD. That's true, too, but I still hate flies. All right, so anyway, I, I got to kill the fly. But I can't see them. I can hear them, but I can't see them. I always have to call in Andrew and Danielle into the kitchen and say, where's the fly? Where's the fly? You know? And they're, there it is. Then I can't see it. You know? And I go, tell me when it lands. Tell me when it lands. You know? It landed. There it is. Oh, now I can see it, and I, I kill it. And uh, they're so impressed how easily I kill flies. But anyway, if I can see them. Uh, same thing happened with ants. We had ants. Everybody getting ants in the house with all this rain. Uh, it's crazy. They're swarming in. But Kim's like, the ants, the ants. And I'm like... I can't see them, you know? I'm like trying to see if there's any glare in the kitchen. I can't see the ants. And I got Andrew D. Get in here. Get on the floor. You kill them, Dad. No, I can't see them. They're killing these ants, you know? And, and then and the worst thing was the wasps. Um, some, one of the kids, Chicky, came in and said, Dad, there's a wasp out there. Did it, did it sting you? Did it sting you? No, it didn't sting But she said, there's a wasp in the playground. You got to come out and kill it. So I'll go out with a spray. And I, and, she, and, and I can't see it, the wasp, you know, because it's in the sun and it's glary. And I have Chicky there. I go, she goes, I go, where is she? Goes, it's right there, Dad. It's right there. I'm like, I don't see it. You know? And then she goes, there it is. I'm like, and finally, I'm just like spraying everywhere. This, this spray trying to hit it, you know. She's like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm like, I'm trying to kill the wasp. You know, I'm just spraying. And, but after, I've been told, several people have been telling me this. After I get this laser surgery, I'm going to be able to see the bugs, you know? I'm going to be able to see a whole different way. Everybody's been telling me how great it is. And that's what happens spiritually. When we get into God's word, it's like laser surgery. It's spiritual laser surgery. When we get into God's word and, and hear his voice, we're going to see everything in a whole new way, a whole new focus, a whole new hope, a whole new energy. Oh, Joe, Joe just got the cataract. That's pretty good, huh? Pretty good. He gives a thumbs up. Okay, that's right. Joe just had his, his, his uh, this week. That's right. He's still got the gook. He's still got the gook. But he's, next week, I said, how many fingers am I holding up? So anyway. <laughs> but that's what it, that's what it, he's going to have a whole new focus. And that's spiritually what God's word does. It's like laser surgery on our eyes. But the first step, before we can hear from God, before we can see in the word stuff, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. The, the moment we say, I, I turn away from my sin, please forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. I put my faith in him to make things right between you and I, God, the, the, between us, the, the moment we do that, we receive the Holy Spirit, but we have to do that. We must connect to God's 
power first. And then we'll be able to hear his voice. But first we have to be connected to the power. And the power is Romans 1.16, the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The gospel is the power of God for our salvation. And the word there for power, remember in the Greek, is the word dynamite. Dunami, dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from. It's that word. What is the gospel? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. That God sent his son to die for us, to save us if we will believe in him. The word believe there isn't just an intellectual extent. It means to put our heart's faith in him. That's what the word means. It means to put our complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ to, to move us from lost in, in sin and deserving God's wrath and judgment to, to a relationship with God as our Father. It means we're putting our complete trust in Him. I'm going to give you a visual picture since Bill's here. I'll give you a picture. Bill, you got the boat out here? Bill's, you saw the boat in the, the parking lot? That's Bill's boat. Bill's going to, wants us to go fishing with him at the shore. I said, Bill, I'm not getting in that boat. Uh, the last time I was on a boat ride with Bill, the Coast Guard grabbed us. That's the last time. Now, no lie, the Coast Guard apprehended us. Remember, Bill talked us into, we were in Florida, spring trip. He found this, I don't even know whose boat was it, Jeff's boat? It was, it was a glorified rowboat with a motor on it. He piles us in, seven or eight of us, seven or eight of us, piles us in. We all load in, and he takes us out into the Gulf to this little island, and we stay overnight. But we are overloaded on this little boat. And we stayed overnight. We ended up staying there eating fish and picking up oysters. We had the time of our life. It was really, really fun. But, but on the way back, we all load in again. And I'll never forget the... The, the water came right up to the edge of the boat, you know, and, and every time another boat came by, it would like lap in, and we were like scooping it out and, you know, and looking around. We weren't too nervous because four of us were college swimmers. We, we knew we could make the shore, but I don't know about the other ones. But anyway, the, uh, the girls, I don't know about. So anyway, the, um, we were, we were, we were going along, having our fun. The water's coming over the edge, and all of a sudden you hear this voice, pull, stop the boat. Stop the boat. You know, it was one of these speakers, you know. It was the Coast Guard came zooming up. You know, water's flapping in. He goes, this is gross negligence, right? Did I get it right? Gross negligence. Gross negligence. He just kept saying it over and over. We're college guys. We understand what it was, you know. Yeah, you don't have to say it more, more than once. Gross negligence. Yeah, he just kept saying it. He goes, you go, this is not right. You guys don't have enough life jackets. He starts going through all these things. We've broken all the rules in the golf, golf, Florida golf. And he goes, you don't have enough life jackets. How many life jackets do you have? And Mark, remember Mark goes, uh, there were like seven of us in the boat. He goes, we have seven. He goes, count them out for me. He didn't believe us. Uh, and so Mark, we only had three. We only had three. So Mark starts counting them. I don't know how he did it, but he counted seven life jackets, you know? It was so funny. I was like, how did he do that? He just kept going behind his back or something. But, but this is the funny part. The Coast Guard says, only four of those are serviceable. Well, he had three, you know? So, only four out of those seven are serviceable. We were laughing. We were like, dying. long story short, he makes us get out. You know, he says, we're almost to our place, but he still made us go all the way back to the little island, going two trips. It took us all afternoon. Remember, it was like a long, long time. Very inconvenient, sir. But anyway, uh, very inconvenient. And, and 
now here's the thing. Bill, when he wrote and said, I'm bringing my boat, you know, and I wrote back, I'm not going with you, you know. Yeah. I'm not getting in that boat with you. Remember the Coast Guard? We had the like t- emailing back and forth. We're having fun with it. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to really go into I don't know if I trust going in Bill's boat. Uh, maybe his sons won't go in at this after the story either. But if we want to get to God, we got to get in the boat. And there's a boat that will take us from here to there. And that boat is Jesus Christ. And we got to get in. There's no other way. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There's no other way. No other way. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. If you, we want to get to God, we can't work our way. We can't swim our way. We can't pedal. We can only get into that boat. And we have to trust Jesus Christ. We have to put our trust in him. We may not trust everybody who has a boat, but we got to trust Jesus. we got to get into that boat and, and, and trust him to get to our Father. That's what it means to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we get into that boat, we give our life to him, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we are connected to God's power, and we are connected to God as our Father. And as Christians, we have to keep on connecting. We can connect any time. I don't feel like praying or I struggle with prayer. It's crazy that we do that, right? It's crazy. We could connect with God anytime, anywhere, about anything. He's constantly speaking to us. Are we listening to him? Are we in his word? And are we in a quiet place? Are we, are we surrendered to what he's trying to speak to us? Are we surrendered? Are we trying to jump out of the boat or hijack the boat, right? Are we surrendered to what God is trying to do? How is God speaking to us? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us in this quiet time? We've read his word. And in this time of quiet, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you feel like a failure. Maybe you really are a failure. But God is great at taking failures and making something beautiful out of their lives. It's all over the Bible. Elijah is a great example. Will you surrender to God? Maybe you've been trying to hijack the boat or jump out of the boat, and that's why you've been failing. Maybe, maybe it's getting alone with God and hearing his voice. Maybe here today, and you've never gotten into the boat, But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And today is that day. Today is a day of salvation for you. Right where you are this very moment, he's calling you to get into the boat. The prayer of faith. God, I put my faith in Jesus.
I walk away from my old life. I walk away from everything in my life that goes against your purpose, your will, your word. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then something amazing has happened. The same God who appeared to Elijah and, and, the, and, and sent the fire and the earthquake and the wind, his spirit is now living inside of us, speaking to us, empowering us, filling us in an, an amazing way. And your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody today. Maybe you're here with a family member or a friend or tell me on the way out or send me a text or an email. Tell somebody today because we're going to be so excited for you and, and encourage you. Father, I pray for every one of us would respond to your voice. Pray that every one of us, no matter what we're going through, what struggle we're going through, that we would be able to be quiet with you and, and your word and, and hear from you. I pray that would give each of us the hope that we need. In Jesus' name.